Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, the Blue White Breakdown is back. The first one of March. I'm Bob Flounders. Joined, as always, by Greg Pickle on uh, Penn Live's Penn State Football Podcast. You can get it in a bunch of different ways. We have a video version of it. We have a pure podcast version of it. We have our man Joe Hermit working behind the scenes to produce it, minus uh, theme music, which is still a sticking point, Greg, as we get into early March. But to me, early March means hopefully February and the snow um, are about to go away. St. Patty's Day in some way, shape, or form (laughs) is right around the corner. So is March Madness, whatever it's going to look like. We're talking about baseball, but we're going to hit, we're here, Greg, to talk about Penn State football. And I, you know, in the last week or so, there's been some, I think, some significant, some significant recruiting news. None of it, you know, if you judge each piece of the news, you know, on its own, none of it major, but a lot of, I think, interesting points uh, news points that has Penn State trending up a little bit when it comes to recruiting the Lions. You know, the 2021 class, I don't think, was a, was by any means uh, what Penn State wanted. They're off to a good start, though, in 2022, early on. And there's been some news uh, in the last couple of days that I think is positive if you are James Franklin and his staff and if you're also a Penn State football fan. So why don't you just run us through, Greg? First of all, I hope you're doing well. Why don't you just run us through maybe the one or two top things maybe the fan base can kind of focus on and what they mean maybe for the 2022 class and beyond? Yeah, you know, Bob, it's interesting because these guys still cannot take in-person visits. That's still off the table because of the NCAA dead period, which is now going to last all the way through May. Uh, And we're hoping at this point that – you know, those visits and the camps and all that stuff can start up again in June and kind of carry us through to the start of summer camp. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it has been a little bit newsier than normal over the last couple of days. I mean, let's start with the staff edition that, that kind of popped up last Friday, a couple of different places. Kenny Sanders is someone who I think those who follow recruiting closely know well. He's a guy that was on James Franklin's recruiting staff for a couple of years, left in 2019 to take a promotion and become the director of recruiting at Oregon, which was kind of the role that uh, Andy Frank has long held at Penn State ever since James Franklin's been here. So Kenny Sanders was there for a year and he left Oregon and uh, now is back at Penn State. So he's a guy who really connects well with kids, Bob. He really does a good job of, I think, getting to know the players and the parents in a way that 
it's not that the coaches can't get them to know this way, but in this in that way, but they obviously have a lot of other stuff going on, especially during the season. So when you talk about these recruiting department staffers who kind of bridge the gap, Kenny Sanders is as good as anybody in the country at doing that. So I thought that was an important uh, rehire, I guess you could say, by James Franklin and Co. Get him back in here. He's well respected. He has a ton of connections, and he can only help Penn State continue to grow this class of 2022. That is really off to a good start even if it's hit a bit of a law here and I know that through our tech subscribers some of the questions we've received have sort of focused on the an idea that what's going on you know Penn State got out to such a hot start there really hasn't been much in the way of new commitments or anything even close to it of late they lost holding stays the tight end when uh, Tyler Bowen left for the NFL so there's some I don't want to say hand-wringing, but, you know, we're at that point of the year, Bob, where I think a lot of people are wondering what's going on, why is there not more uh, news out there, and I think it's because of that lack of visits, I really do. I think we're going to see, as you mentioned, some kids start cutting their list and start getting a little bit more serious about focusing in on a select number of schools, but I'll be hard-pressed to believe that we're going to see a ton of commitments like we did at this time last year, just because these guys, unlike their predecessors, know what's on the horizon, right? They know that these visits are going to start back up again. We all expect that the regular season is going to kind of play out in a much more normal way than in the past. So I think we're in a bit of a, a law here, but, you know, I think you've seen in recent days, Penn State kind of picked things up with Nick Singleton, the running back out of Governor Mifflin, one of the top uh, players in PA, you know, the, the list of quarterbacks, there's a few of them that they're going to target outside of Bo Prabola, who of course has long been committed, but Drew Allar out of Medina, Ohio is one guy I think you need to keep a close eye on. Picked up a four-star recently in Notre Dame, entered his recruitment. He's a guy Penn State and Mike Yersich have been high on for a couple of months now. A.J. Duffy at IMG Academy, most think he's going to join the Fighting Brennemans and the Sun Devils at Arizona State, but Penn State did make his top four. And then Nick Evers is a kid out of Texas, Bob, that Mike Yersich started recruiting uh, when he was with the Longhorns. So you're right, things are starting to come into focus a little bit more, but At the same time, it's still going to be a little bit blurry, I think, just simply because of the fact that Penn State is sort of waiting on a lot of guys to make decisions. And a lot of these guys, I think, want to make visits before they're going to do that. Real quick, who is the most to you? Who is the most exciting name on the list of uh, the guys you mentioned, whether it's it's, you know, Penn State making the cut to the top final five or final six? Um, and who is maybe the most realistic guy? Like you said, it's early, but you mentioned Mike Gersitz has some ties to the Penn State's uh, new offensive coordinator, has some ties to one of the kids. Can you can can you kind of marry maybe an exciting kid with maybe, uh, you know, Penn State being a legit contender for his services, is there, or is it just too early to do that? Because I know a lot – you look at the list, Greg – and it's great that Penn State's on the list or a finalist, but all the other schools are just, you know, uh, national power. So is there anyone that Penn State fans should maybe feel really good about, whether it's because of Mike Yersich's presence or you mentioned some in-state kids, but is there is there one name that's got to kind of uh, has your interest? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're right that, you know, at this point, they are kind of uh, (laughs) they're kind of in a place, Bob, where they're, you know, to get where they want to go, they have to be mentioned among all of these heavy hitters. But 
let's be honest, that makes it really difficult to land kids a lot of the times. And Penn State's run into that problem before. So when you talk about kind of the top, uh, you know, the kids cutting their list of top schools, let me transition to defense quick. Jaden Gold's a four-star corner out of New Jersey. Penn State, Michigan, USC, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Rutgers made his top six. I believe that was last week. That came out late last week. But, you know, he's a guy who's interesting. And let's be honest, Penn State has not had roaring success in New Jersey for a couple of cycles now for whatever reason. So I think he's one to keep a close eye on. And then on offense, I mean, you can go a number of different ways with who you think is the guy that is most important for them to get. I I sort of land on Nick Singleton for a couple of reasons. One, we've noted Penn State's had some struggles with getting the best players in Pennsylvania to stay in Pennsylvania and at Penn State over the last few cycles. They're fighting hard for the top player, Anaya White from Imhotep Charter. He's a defensive lineman. But when you flip to the other side of the ball, you have Makai Flowers, you have Anthony Ivey, you have Bo Prabola. So you like what you have there. But I think with Singleton, he's a guy who's going to change someone's program in a really good way. There's been a lot of good uh, info out there about his junior season and how he improved off of that junior season. And, you know, for Penn State, Bob, they didn't get a running back in the last class out of high school. They got John Lovett through the transfer portal. But Mm -hmm. to me, they're at a point now where they must get not only get someone, but get someone who's really good, really talented and can come sort of carry the load because, you're not going to have Noah Kane and Devin Ford forever. And obviously, Kaziah Holmes and Kevon Lee got a lot of run last year. And that could, you know, that could speed up their possible NFL timelines. And you're talking maybe a year from now or two years from now, I guess those guys may be looking at the NFL and not another year in college. So it's time to go put to work uh, that great running back past you've had under James Franklin. And to me, that means getting Singleton in this class. Sure. Sure. Let's move it along to the coaching side. We've talked in recent recent editions about uh, some assistants that I think have been added. Most recently, uh, Anthony Poindexter, the Purdue uh, safeties coach, and I think he was the co-defensive coordinator. <clears throat> He's in this, and I think in the same role, largely at Penn State to replace Tim Banks. Um, but maybe uh, these moves haven't don't get enough attention, but. You know, James Franklin has kind of filled in two analyst positions, I believe, on the offensive side. One I'm very familiar with because I can remember you were just a you were still a, I think you were still a teenager, Greg, when the name Daniel Bryan first made the rounds at Penn State. I think it was early uh, in Bill O'Brien's uh, brief regime at Penn State. He was looking to pad his quarterback class. And I believe. Uh, Danny O'Brien was a uh, an attractive transfer portal. I don't know. It wasn't a transfer portal. Uh, grad transfer, I think it was at that time. He was an attractive grad transfer quarterback candidate, I believe, from Maryland. And he, he caused a stir, I think, when he visited Penn State. And Penn State fans thought they were going to get him. I think he ended up going somewhere else. It might have been Wisconsin. I can't remember. But he... he his college career never really blossomed the way a lot of people thought it would. But I bring that up because he's now, I believe, an offensive analyst uh, on James Franklin's staff. And they've also added an offensive analyst uh, with NFL ties. And I think that's significant. And maybe, Greg, you can speak to both the both of the additions and what they mean, but especially getting a guy with NFL ties uh, in the offensive analyst position. 
Yeah. So when you mentioned Daniel Bryan, you're right. He was, uh, they had hoped that he was going to join the uh, McGloin, Rob Bolden. And I think Paul Jones was <laughs> Paul still Jones. around at that point. Uh, I think they were, they, you're right. They were hoping to get him in. And if I remember correctly, a lot of people were thinking that he was going to be kind of the next Russell Wilson, like yeah. uh, in terms of yeah. transferring after having some success and really thriving at his next school. And in that kind of vein, he ended up at Wisconsin. You're right. Things didn't go so well there. I think he actually ended up transferring again from Wisconsin to somewhere else. You know, James Franklin had a familiarity with him because they were at Maryland at the same time. And he's been uh, he was coaching for a Canadian a CFL league team, if I'm not mistaken. So they pluck him out of there for this analyst role. And you're I mean, I guess the long and the short of it is when you talk about this and when you talk about Loggins, who the former New York Jets offensive coordinator under Adam Gase, who is never coached in college before, but is now going to take an off field analyst role with the Lions as well. I think you just see James Franklin buffing up that support staff, which that's what everybody else is doing these days. I think Alabama has nine off-field analysts, Bob. <laughs> I think Ohio State has like six. And so this is kind of the way things are going. And I think for, you know, O'Brien, it's a stepping stone opportunity, right? It's a chance for him to take kind of the same path yeah. that Ty Howe did, which is go from – Position coach at a lower level to, I mean, I guess you can call the CFL a lower level, but to analyst at a Power 5 program to one-day position coach. That's what Ty Howe did. I'm sure Danny O'Brien wants to do the same thing. And then with Loggins, it almost feels to me like that's kind of the new uh, career reset, right? That if things maybe didn't go so well uh, over the last couple of years and you're not really uh, getting too many job opportunities to do what you had been doing, then you know, you do this analyst thing and all of a sudden then a year or two down the road, there's all kinds of opportunities. Everyone forgets. Everyone forgets and you get a fresh slate. That's right. So, you know, I, I'm sure that there are some ties between him and James Franklin's staff that aren't clear on the surface, but there must be some kind of connection to bring him in um, to work in that kind of behind the scenes role with Mike Yersich and company. So, uh, you know, but ultimately, again, I think that we're seeing more and more college teams, especially the better ones, really beef up their analyst departments and their off-field departments. And this is just another way Penn State's trying to go about doing that. All right. We're at least halfway through this blue-white breakdown podcast. I'm Bob Flounders uh, talking with Greg Pickle. Um, Greg, since we're about halfway through, just tell the audience uh, what they can do, where they can find us how they can find us if they want to review us and give us five stars or four stars or even like one or two stars. I guess we can live with it, but just tell the audience if there's any changes. Uh, we had Dave Jones on the podcast last week. Hopefully we'll have him back uh, probably next week, uh, maybe for a special St. Patty's Day edition. Who knows what we're going to do, Greg? We're just spitballing right now, but how can the fan base uh, continue to watch, rate, review all of that good stuff when it comes to the blue white breakdown yeah you got it bob the blue white breakdown the extended version the daily version from dustin hockett you can find it wherever you get your audio so that's google stitcher spotify apple if they have podcasts if you get podcasts there you will find us then the video version youtube.com slash all penn state um okay so let's let's change it up and let's let's tilt the conversation a little bit greg towards uh towards uh, spring practice. And before we talk about spring practice, 
Um, one of the great indicators, one of the great indicators of spring in general is Punxsutawney Phil on Groundhog Day. And whether or not he sees a shadow, legend has it, if he sees a shadow, it's either six weeks of bad news or six weeks of good news. People are riveted by that stuff in Pennsylvania. If you're a Penn State football fan, it's the winter workouts and the stars of the winter workouts on social media you will see a position coach kind of give a nod to maybe the, the guy uh, that's best leading the position group, whether it's linebackers, whether it's running backs, whether it's offensive linemen or quarterbacks. You know, usually that's a pretty good indicator that uh, they're doing very well in Dwight Galt's winter conditioning program. Penn State's currently doing that. Greg, I know you're following it. I'm following it. Why don't we just touch on a couple of names that we've consistently seen maybe more than once. Um, I've got one. I know you probably had the same name, but um, there are a couple of guys that look like they are really uh, doing well at this time of year, whether it comes to uh, the conditioning part, which is a big part, uh, especially now that we know there is going to be a spring practice. We don't know when it's going to be, and I'm sure I'm jinxing it because the minute we do this podcast, Penn State's going to have its starting date. But, Greg, just a couple of names that uh, caught your eye um, on social media with regard to the Penn State of assistant coaches maybe praising um, some current Nittany Lions. Yeah, it's interesting, Bob, because if you look over these throughout the years, it's been a way at times for them to kind of recognize some guys that are off the radar a little bit, walk-ons or new yep. players, or, you know, I think you could obviously probably give this kind of a thing to a Sean Clifford or someone like that, someone prominent in the program every single workout, but it's a way to get some guys, some recognition and some kudos on social media that maybe aren't used to that kind of thing or don't, you know, get hear their name called out in public all the time at news conferences or things like that. But the one that's really caught my eye is I believe John Lovett has twice won this award from yeah. Jaywan Sider. And, you know, it really seems to me that they brought him in not only because he could play and because he knows what a college football program is like, but also because they are missing that kind of veteran presence in that room since Journey Brown, as you know, an on from the on-field perspective anyway, Journey Brown's still around, but unfortunately the health issue with the, the heart condition took him off the field. But, you know, I think that what they wanted him to do is come in and help these younger guys, even though these younger guys have played a good bit, and sort of show them the ropes of what he's learned after a a pretty good college career to date. So that's been probably the most interesting one to me, Bob. There's been, uh, there was a wide receiver, Ben Wilson, who I'm pretty sure he was a walk-on. I can't remember if he transferred in or if he just generally walked on, but we've seen his name a couple of times too. And again, you know, this is not necessarily a predictive tool in terms of what we're going to see in the fall, but that wide receiver room, I don't think there's any doubt that there's opportunity there. You know, you have Jahan Dotson, you have Keandre Lambert-Smith, you have Parker Washington, you have some other guys. But, you know, it's not – I don't think that – that's certainly a position, as we saw with Dan Chisena not too long ago, that maybe a guy who wasn't recruited or didn't have stars out of high school can come in and find himself a role. And maybe Ben Wilson's that guy this year. Yeah. John Lovett, the Baylor Bear, who did some really good things – his 2020, um, if you look at his stat sheet at Baylor, he's got a lot of impressive years. The, the 2020 numbers for Penn State fans, they're not going to jump out at you. He didn't play as much. Baylor didn't play as much. Um, the numbers don't jump off the charts. But if you look uh, if you look at what he did in 19, I think, in 18, uh, he's a very productive 
player at Baylor. He's got intri- intriguing size. He is a veteran. And, and you're right, Greg. He was one that caught my eye. Another name that caught my eye, and I think he's a, I think he's a pretty interesting guy at Penn State this year, is Keaton Ellis. I think he's gotten praise multiple times, I think, from Terry Smith. Uh, Keaton Ellis has uh, excellent size. I think he has, if they ever wanted to move him, they could. I think he's, he's, he's got ideal size to play corner. Entering his third year State College High School uh, grad, uh, Penn State was on him early. Um, and he wasn't really viewed, I think, in recruiting circles as a big-time prospect. But I think, I think as he finished his senior year, he got better and better. And I think, I think other schools probably warmed up to him. By that time, he was already a Penn State Nittany Lion. He's played, he's played some significant football at Penn State, played as a true freshman. I think he was dealing with some injury issues last year because he didn't play in all of the games. But this is a this is an important guy, Greg. I think he's a guy um, that can push to start, uh, and I, you know I think the I think the corner I think the corner hierarchy is Tariq Castro Fields and Joey Porter Jr. and then it's it's Keaton Ellis and Marquise Wilson and Daquan Hardy and we don't know about uh, Johnny Dixon from South Carolina who was uh, a transfer portal addition. But you know what? Good health has not been necessarily guaranteed to a player like Tariq Castro Fields at Penn State. Uh, second half of 2019, he was dealing with an issue. He tried to play through it. Last year, I think he played in maybe two or three games tops, and then he couldn't play the rest of the year. He did come back, and I think obviously he's viewed as a starter. But, Greg, if anything happens to any of the top two guys, I think Keith Nellis uh, fits in very nicely for Penn State. And the other thing I would say is, you know, in today's football, you're probably playing three corners more often than you're not on the field uh, or an extra defensive back. So I think that third corner is very, very valuable at Penn State. And feel, it feels to me like if Keaton is healthy in 2021, I think Penn State might look his way a lot. Yeah, you know, I think that, Bob, he's a guy that we were all kind of confused why he didn't play more early last year. Yeah. And then whether it was health, whether it was something else, he certainly saw his snap count increase as they experienced some injuries on that side of the ball. And, yeah, he does feel to me like a guy who – not that he hasn't made his mark yet because he was really good as a freshman and he wasn't bad last year, albeit, again, there were the questions about why he didn't play as much. And you have three Castro Fields back. You have Dixon in. But you're right. I mean, they were playing – remember at one point James Franklin suggested that they – it was either James Franklin or Terry Smith. I wish I can remember, but I don't. But mm-hmm. for more or less said they had like two and a half, three, three and a half corners available at most. Right. And you're talking about trying to play three in a defensive package, and that's really all they had available, period, on game right. day. So you're right. The more they can get healthy over there, the better. And that room has a chance to be a strength for them. And you're right, Keaton Ellis, if it is, will probably be among the guys that lead the way. Okay. Let's close up with two things real quick. Greg, there's not going to be, as we know it, uh, a traditional version or any kind of version of the NFL scouting combine this year due to uh, the ongoing pandemic, even though things are looking up. Um, The combine is usually, well, it would have been over by now, I think, or just ending right now in Indianapolis. Um, And, you know, in recent years, some Penn State players have tested very well at the combine and really improved their draft status. There won't be a a combine 
uh, per se. I think a lot of it will be some kind of regional workouts or maybe individual workouts, depending on how good the prospect is. But that didn't stop the NFL from saying, well, had there been a combine, these players would have been invited. It's actually, you know, it's a nice little feather in the cap because they don't invite just anyone. It's a, it's a, it's a set number of prospects. Um, Greg, there were six Penn state players on this year's scouting combine list. I know that I know them. I'm sure that, you know, most of them, but when you look at the list, a half dozen guys, I think all, I don't know if all of them will be drafted. I think all of them have a, I think you could see all of them be drafted, but there's there's at least one name on that list that I think that has a little bit of work to do. Uh, I think if he's going to see his name uh, called uh, on draft day in the NFL, versatile player offensive lineman, that's Will Fries. But let's go through the rest of the list real quick. I don't think there's a lot of surprises. But I just, Greg, I just wonder, had there been a scouting combine, there are a couple names on this list that had a chance to be the stars of the combine. So take it away. Yeah. So it was Micah Parsons, Jason Oway, Pat Fryermuth, Michael Bennett, Shaka Tony, and as you mentioned, Will Fries. I guess my big takeaway from this, Bob, and you make a good point that a couple of these Penn State guys would have been among the show stealers had there been an NFL combine. But you know, when you mention guys like Will Fries and Chaka Tony and Michael Mennett and some of the Penn State guys who did not receive combine invites, whatever that means this year, but who are going to be at Pro Day, you know, what an opportunity for them to get a chance to work out in front. I have to think all 32 teams are going to send people to State College for Pro Day, which is March 25. Mm-hmm. You know, with that much top-end talent there, you would assume, especially everyone's going to want to get a look at Parsons. These guys are going to want to see Fryman's going to want to see. But they're not just there to see those guys. They're going to watch and, and get measurables and, and stuff on everyone. So unlike in years past where maybe Penn State's, top end talent wasn't this good in terms of the draft maybe you only get 20 teams to show up or 22 teams to show up or maybe it's a you know a lower level scout and not one of your top scouts or your gm or something or a head coach you know so i think my big takeaway for this pro day Look, we know that Parsons, you know, these guys are going to put on shows. It's going to be impressive. But to me, when you when we look back on where Penn State's guys ultimately end up in the draft, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any question, Bob, that some of them may have a chance to go higher than what we think they could based on the fact that more NFL people are going to have eyes on this pro day. And maybe they catch a guy who they don't know as much about, but they see him work out or they interview him and decide to move him up their list. So I think it's good for, you know, these six guys you mentioned, obviously, are, you know, the the quote unquote cream of the crop of this year's Penn State draft class. But I think some other guys could see their stock go up, not obviously huge, but maybe you go from undrafted to a late round pick, or maybe you go from not being a priority undrafted free agent signing to a priority for somebody. So I think some guys will benefit from these superstars of what this uh, Penn State Pro Day will have. Real quick on the combine. I don't know that it's a guarantee that all these guys are going to show up in state college. Micah Parsons is on the West Coast. I mean, guys have scattered. Uh, You hope that all of them would come back but we'll have to wait and see who's actually going who's going to actually come back to state college and uh, the names you mentioned to me Greg to me um, I think you're right when you're talking about a list of guys where at least 3 of them you know I think Penn State has two legitimate 
uh, two because Micah Parsons is a is a first round pick. Uh, but I think I think Jason Owe is indefinitely in the first round conversation. The more that the season has kind of the more that we've moved away for 2020, it feels like Pat Frymuth is now in the second round conversation, not the first round conversation. But when you have three athletes of of that level, I, I do think you're going to see uh, one of the bigger attendance pools for Penn State, depending on what other workouts are that day. But you know, you want to see those three guys for different reasons. Micah Parsons opted out. So scouts just want to see him kind of what he looks like. Did he put good weight on? What's that 40 time looking like? He hasn't played since December of 2019. Jason Oway hasn't played much football, period. Everyone has heard the rumors about how he is the freakiest freak of the freaks at Penn State. Seeing it's going to be believe it. I, for one, would love to see him go through those drills um, I know the 40, not, the 40 times for a defensive end just isn't that important anymore, Greg. It's more about 10 yards, 20 yards. But he is – we've seen him. Um, he is an unbelievable athlete, and I think that he would definitely be someone that I think Penn, the NFL is gathering more information on. And Fryermuth, you know, he had the surgery. How did he come back from the surgery? Is he limited? Is there anything he can't do uh, going into the draft? What was the surgery? And finally, finally, Greg, even a guy like Shaka Tony, I think he's a very pop, a, a, team, a, a player that uh, guys want to see. The guy was named first team All Big Ten. He's kind of a tweener size wise, right? And some teams were already, if you remember at the Senior Bowl, they were having him cover receivers. So is he, can in in the NFL's mind, is he a guy, is he a straight-up defensive end? Could he possibly play a hybrid role, maybe play outside? Can we ask him to cover? I think it's a fascinating group um, of, of Penn State's uh, potential draft class. We haven't really even talked about Michael Bennett, who's as solid as he comes, as solid as they come in terms of center prospects. I think he'll hurt, he'll see his name called early. I don't know they need to see a lot from Michael Mennick, Greg. I think the tape after three straight years starting speaks for itself. But I, I'm with you. I'm excited. I would love hopefully we'll be able to see uh pro day, but I don't think there's any guarantee for us media types to be invited on March 25th. I'm sure you and I will figure a way around that, especially with a Harrisburg high grad possibly in attendance. We're going to need to know how Micah did. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to make this bold prediction, Greg. By the time you and I talk again, we're going to have some legit, official, firm news of what Penn State's spring practice schedule may look like, whether or not there is going to be fans for sure how many at the blue-white game, if permissible. I think our next podcast is going to be loaded with Penn State football information. Can't wait to talk to you again, Greg. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in.